welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Good to be here. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, Look at your neighbor today and say, God wants to do something in you today. Look at, your, look at your other neighbor and say, your miracle is in your mouth. Find a neighbor. Speak to the person that isn't in that chair and call things that be, be as not as though they were and say, the miracle is in your mouth. I want to speak to us for a few moments today as a church family. Yes, we are a church family. We believe that church looks like family. Um, we do life together. We truly believe that with our whole heart. But we have a slide up here that says, the miracle is in your mouth. So if you have a Bible or a device, please open it up to John 6. I am so mindful, and many of you have probably heard me say this before, but I believe that we are living in some of the greatest days that this world has ever seen. We are on the cusp of a revival that has never taken place before. There's a song that's come out. We're going to start singing in church. It's called, This is a Move. God is doing something, not just in our nation, but across the whole world. I experienced it in Ireland. We wrote this song for the land of Ireland, and the song was, Arise, arise, ring out your freedom. To the east and the west, the goodness of God. God's goodness is longing to be released all across this world. And what is awesome is that you can see that God is not um, favoring one area But God is favoring the ones who are hungry and who are thirsty. That's what God's looking for. So I want to say to you today, friends, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you wanting God to do something in your life today that he didn't do yesterday? Are you waiting on the edge of your seat for a miracle? I am talking to people every day about how miracles are taking place. Like I said last Sunday when we were taking communion, I'm like, it's happening It's happening. Miracles are happening. God is moving. It's happening. You don't have to wonder. And if you don't see it happening in your life, then get excited about it happening in somebody else's life. The Bible says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. When we rejoice and when we pray and we give thanks. We are coming into alignment with God's will. But even when you don't see anything happening, like the song says that we sing in church, I know one thing's for sure is that my victory is won. You might not be able to tell that a woman is pregnant on her first day of conception, but I'm telling you, man, it's happening. Whether she likes it or not, that baby is going to grow and that baby's coming out. It is happening. God is doing something wonderful in your life. I believe that. God's doing something beautiful in your life. I believe that. I believe that the things that you are standing in faith for and you're believing God for are going to happen. And sometimes things happen instantaneous. But I have learned, and you've heard me say this over and over again, that there's a process to the happenings. But it's good because, church, we're becoming more like Jesus, aren't we? It's happening. I believe one of the greatest languages in heaven is thanks. Uh, And you could say, well, why, Jenny, why do you say that? Because when I read Revelation 4.9, and we don't have a slide, and that's okay. It says in Revelation 4.9, whenever the four living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks, say thanks, to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, say forever, 
The 24 elders fall down before him. They lay their crowns before God and they say, you are worthy. Church, thanksgiving is the language of heaven. And when we speak the language of heaven, guess what? Heaven comes down. Heaven comes down. Say that. Say heaven comes down. When I speak the language of heaven, and I'm not here to speak to you about every language in heaven, but thanksgiving is definitely a language of heaven that holds such a key to unlock victory in our life. And I often think if languages or if thanks is a language of heaven, what is complaining? Shoot. I said that to someone in my home this weekend. It wasn't to any human. It was to the dog. I won't name any name. No. But I shudder to think at how much complaining that I've done in my life and how much I have shut out the windows of heaven in my life by not being strong enough or maybe not being aware enough. Sometimes we're just ignorant. We're just not aware. And I'm praying today for that we'd have all of us, me included, greater eyes to see and ears to hear about perhaps some of the complaining that we have done that it may be shut us out of heaven. You know, God loves you. I'm not saying it's going to shut you out of the love of God, but I'm just saying withholding some stuff where thanksgiving is this incredible key that causes us to stand in alignment with the King of kings and with the Lord of lords because it's a language in heaven. So if you have your Bible ready, you got it? You got your device? We have slides too. We got it all, man. We are ready for you. Okay, I'm going to read 14 scriptures. Is that okay? Okay. John 6, 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him. Say large crowd. Because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes. Then seeing that large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? See, and something that you need to also notice about Passover was Passover was a time that they were expecting something. Because the first Passover, you can see if you go back and you read your Bible in the Old Testament, like in the book of Exodus, where that's when the Israelites were freed from slavery. That's when you can read amazing uh, stories, real life things that happen about the cloud by day, pillar by night. So they were expecting, people were in expectation, not just because of what Jesus was doing, but they were expectation in their spirit that something was going to happen. So he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said, to, he said this to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Say, Jesus knows what he's doing. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus knows what he's doing. He always knows what he's doing. Philip answered him, and said, 200 denarii, that's about 200 days of wages, would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are, we, what are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks... He distributed them uh, to those who were seated. Say thanks. 
So all the fish is as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet of who is to come to the world. Church, whenever anyone or whenever Jesus does something, it's always to give glory to the Father. Anything that Jesus is doing, wants to do in our life is, is not so that glory can be given to us. It's so that glory can be given to him. And I want to focus on verse 11 here. Can we bring up that slide? Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to them, to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. God is always going to be giving more than enough. And here you can see in the natural, there's not enough, right? There's not enough. And I think so often we read this story and we think, um, well, first of all, what we need to notice is Jesus wasn't freaking out. Did you notice that? We heard about that last week too, didn't we? Jesus wasn't freaking out in the boat. Jesus is never freaking out. Jesus never Never, Jesus, God, I'm going to interchange, never, he, he doesn't ever know what to do. I don't know if I said that properly. I have in the spirit of Jake from last week today. He always knows what to do, but when you read this story, he's not freaking out. In fact, he went into that already knowing what he was going to do. To do. The denarii, the 200 days of wages, wasn't even an option. And I wonder as we look at this story, how many times we have taken the option of 200 denarii without seeing what Jesus could do for us. Like that song, watch what he will do, watch what he will do, get ready for a miracle. I wonder if it's because we haven't walked closely with Jesus Christ, we don't know enough about the nature of our Father that he could do more than enough. That we take the easy route and say, okay, I have 200 denarii in my Royal Bank checking account, I'm going to use this. It might not be enough, but we'll be okay. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I'm your plan A. I'm your plan A, church, and I've always been your plan A, and I will always be your plan A. And there is nothing on earth that I wouldn't do for you. This is the same Jesus later on that gave his life for all of us. There is nothing, church, that Jesus Christ would not do for you. We've had lack in our life, and we've had enough. But I think that we've thought that the enough was actually more than enough, but we haven't seen anything yet. Because we've lived off the 200 denarii when God says, I want you to be living off thanks. And we're going to break that word thanks. Church, the miracle is in your mouth. And I believe that there is going to be testimony after testimony of the goodness of God as we begin to walk closer with God, as we begin to understand the word of God and that he's the bread of life. Did you notice that? That really, if you go back and look at that, I don't want to confuse Cheryl, so that's okay. It's okay. We don't need to go there. But it actually really focused mostly on, focused, focused mostly on the breads. I actually had to look it up in 12 different translations because I'm like, they forgot the fish in the English, the English standard version. I'm like, am I the first person who realized that they forgot the fish in the story? I'm like, this, this has to be me. And then I'm like, oh, and then I found it. Oh, there's the fish. But I find it interesting in the scripture. You go back and read that this week. 
because that would be a good thing to go back and read what we're talking about today. But it really focused on the bread. And if you go study John 6 later on, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He's the bread of life. And it's interesting that he used bread. Because the Bible says, when Jesus said this, that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And as we understand more and more, church, and I believe something happened last week, actually, that had never happened in our church before as we took communion. How many of you were here last week when we took communion? And we prayed as a church. We held the bread, didn't we? And we held the wine. We held the bread, his body. And we held the wine, his blood. As we come into a greater understanding that he is the bread. He is the bread of life that will never run out. Never run out. And in fact, there's always going to be more than enough. Say there's always going to be more than enough. Something else we have to notice with this plan A, that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus can only reproduce who he is. Did you hear that? Jesus can only reproduce who he is. He's bread. It wasn't, it's not hard to reproduce who we are. It is really hard to reproduce something that doesn't exist or not, something that we're not. But this was who Jesus was. He was bread. He was life. Even when he met the woman at the well. If you drink from this cup, you'll never be thirsty again. He's the bread of life. And I believe, church, he wants to show us over and over again of his overabounding, crazy, awesome, miraculous goodness. See, the denarii would have been good, right? It could have been good. But Jesus wanted it to be God. Did you catch that, church? We could live a life that was good. Or we can live a life that's God. So if you look at this word thanks, we have a slide for this. The word thanks is actually from the Hebrew word eucharistio. It's the word, um, yeah, 2168. It means good, as you can see. Properly acknowledging that God's grace works well. Do you see that? Say God's grace works well. Say it louder. Say, God's grace works well. God's grace works well in your life. It works well in my life in Jesus' name. It works well in the person sitting next to you today. For our eternal gain in his glory is to give thanks. Literally, we are thankful, church, for God's good grace. And when Jesus held the five loaves, five and two, when he held that and it wasn't enough, totally ridiculous to do this. Totally ridiculous. And get ready to do some ridiculous things, by the way, because it's going to take the ridiculous to see the miraculous. But as he held the bread and the fish and he gave thanks, something happened. What happened? What happened? It multiplied. See, the denarii wouldn't have multiplied because that wouldn't have been a crazy miracle. It wouldn't have been that ridiculous because it almost was enough. But the ridiculous will happen, church, <laughs> or the miraculous will happen with the ridiculous, that the miracle was in his mouth of giving thanks. Do you see that? So let's go one step further. So essentially, Jesus was saying, I Eucharistio you to his father because he knew his father. Jesus also said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. 
So in the word Eucharistio is where we get the word Eucharist, like communion, last Sunday, okay? It's the word charis. 5485, I love this. I saw something new that I didn't see this week. Favor, disposed, inclined, favorable towards, leaning towards to share benefit. Properly, grace is preeminently used of the Lord's favor. Freely extending to give himself away to people because he's always leaning towards them. Come on. Basically, what had happened in that story? I will never forget this after studying this week. Jesus is leaning into the Father because the Father was already leaning into him. He was leaning into the Father with thanks. And guess what? The Father was leaning into him saying, I want to extend my grace. But it was the key that Jesus was holding of thanksgiving that released the grace of God. Do you see that? And how many times has God been leaning towards us as a church, as a family, saying, I want to release my grace out of you, but you're so busy complaining. You're so busy talking about your problems. Church, like we said in worship, there's no problem bigger than God. But Jesus, or God is saying, I'm longing to pour out my blessing on my church. I'm longing to pour out my favor. I'm longing to pour out my life. But would you just lean into me with the key of thanks so I can release my grace? Come on. I saw this and I was like, wow. He's leaning. He's always leaning towards us. And we have a couple of things we're going to do this morning. But one of them, Ryan, I promise we will clean this up. You do not have to eat this, by the way, okay? So don't be grossed out because I would not be eating this. But as I've been speaking, we've all have, can you focus as I hold this piece of bread that's as big as me? <laughs> but as I'm speaking, there's probably some things that you've been maybe thinking about in your life that maybe have not been enough. And perhaps you've taken the denarii route, and that's okay. But there's something better that's called thanksgiving. And putting God to the test, just like Jesus was testing them, come on, let's test. Okay, God, you are more than enough. So I'm going to lift up today, in this moment, with my church family, what doesn't seem like enough. And I'm going to say, thank you, Father. Can we do that as a church this morning? So I'm going to rip, I was going to have this tree ripped. But Pastor Jake, can you? Yeah, can you help me? Yeah, we're going to hand out the bread. Cam, can you help me too? We're just going to get two pieces each right now. Just hand it out. No, you're not going to. Here, just take some and pass it down. Two pieces each. If you're at an end of a row, if you could just come up. Just give it to the row. They can work it. There you go. Well, it's going to be everywhere. Guys, no eating the bread, okay? If you're really hungry. Yeah, I do that. We have more. We have more. Because God's more than enough. We have more. Hold on. Let's give thanks for it right now. Practicing this today. Okay, so when you get back to your chair, I want you to 
whatever is in your hand, just empty yourself or empty what's in your hands and just hold the bread on each side. Are we good? Who doesn't have bread yet? Josiah doesn't have bread. Mike doesn't have bread? Mike ate his bread. They gave us cinnamon buns before church. They gave us bread through the sermon. We like yeast around here. So you guys see that in this story. You know, I don't think the miracle would have happened if it wasn't so ridiculous. Because Jesus was so leaning into his father in that moment that if God didn't come through, what else would they do? I remember a story of Jake having, we were walking the streets with um, evangelists from Kelowna when we were kids. And Jake, <laughs> I think it might have been his first expedition of doing stuff like this. And there was this person at an old, an old beat-up motor in that had a banged-up ankle. I think he had sprained it or broken it. And Jake, Rick was like, okay, you pray for it, Jake. And Jake probably felt ridiculous. But I, I know I can remember the story because it was like, God, if you don't heal this guy, if you don't heal this guy. But God healed that guy. And his ankle was totally healed because God longs to reveal the miraculous. So we don't need music right now, church. But I want you to take a moment with Jesus, just you and Jesus. Close your eyes wherever you're sitting. So this represents bread and fish. I didn't want to bring fish in today, obviously. But just for a moment, just posture your heart before the Lord and say, God, what have I not been leaning into you with? What, what is an area of my life that I have not been giving thanks in, but I know that you want to bring a breakthrough in that area? It could be a relationship. It could be finances. It could be healing. Whatever it is, whatever doesn't seem like enough, let this bread be a representation and let you have a moment to give thanks to God this morning with what doesn't look like enough. Jesus, we bless you in this place. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you. Just when you're ready, just verbalize. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. See, Jesus didn't say thank you with his heart. He said thank you with his mouth. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that we can give thanks to you today, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you that you have given us lips that we could bless you on the mountaintop, but we could praise you even more so in the valley. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you're ever leaning towards us with your good grace, longing to pour yourself out in our lives. 
Because there is nothing too ridiculous that God can't do in your life today. There is no sickness. There is no healing. Friend, I'm believing for a miracle with your dad. Because that is not ridiculous. And I say thank you to God today for healing for your father. In the name of Jesus, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in your father, brings life to his body today in the name of Jesus. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for you are good and your mercy endures forever. Who needs more time? We good? I think one of the hardest... Um, areas, and I can speak, I'll just speak from experience here. <laughs> Doesn't this bread look awesome? I'm going to move it because it just looks like an animal was like devouring it. It's good. <laughs> has been the area of relationship. And uh, someone sent me a text last night and they said, yeah, you've had a lot of violent spiritual attacks in your life. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Thank you for noticing that. <laughs> yeah, I have. But it has been the area of relationship. But you know what's so beautiful? Was meeting Nicole's father today. Wave your hand, Dad. Wave your hand. God is healing relationships, church. He's healing hearts. He's turning the hearts of the children to their fathers and mothers and the hearts of the mothers and fathers back to their children. I don't say this in faith. I say this because I'm seeing it, and it's happening. Like I said last week, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. There's a turnaround. As we lean in and we don't let go, like we spoke about a few weeks ago, of the promises of God, we lean in with thanks, and God releases his good grace into our life. But relationships can one of be the hardest area, but can be one of the most rewarding areas. Amen? Because God is a God of family. He created family, and he's a God of relationship. And I love this letter of Paul, the Apostle Paul, to the church at Philippi, to the Philippians. He has such a beautiful relationship with them. And I would encourage you to start reading the book of Acts, maybe this fall, if you haven't read through the Gospels yet. So you could read about the early church and get a little bit of context before you maybe start delving into Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. But I, I, I love this passage because he had such an affection in his heart for them. You don't gain an affection in your heart for people without going through stuff with people. Right? You know what? I might have had some violent spiritual attacks in my life, but guess what? I got a greater compassion for people. And I know if God can get me from here to there, he can get you from there to there. Totally can. Totally can. And what the enemy intended for evil in any area of your life, God has turned it and is turning it around for his good, for your good, and for his glory. So this letter of Paul to the, to the Philippians. I'm going to start in verse 1. I think you have a slide for verse 3, so just hold tight, Cheryl. But it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God, or 
Paul always started with grace and peace, and he ended every letter with grace and peace. He said in verse 3, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Think about yourself as he's reading this, okay? Think about our church. Think about your family. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always, always. In every prayer of mine for you, always making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Christ. Something else that you need to know, he wrote this in prison. He was under house arrest. I've read a lot of history this week on even Rome. Prisons being burned down. That's why he was in house arrest. It was a little bit better of a situation. If you go read Acts 16, it'll give you some context for this. Before this, he would have been praying and singing hymns at midnight with Silas. The first convert of this church of Philippi was Lydia, the seller of purple. Love her because she's a woman, boss. <laughs> that was his first context. So he has a lot of love for this church, a lot of connection to this church. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. Isn't this beautiful? For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in, my, in, the, in, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can we say that about one another? Lee, I'm going to text you this week, how I yearn for you, Lee. <laughs> But we did have a moment today where it's like, friend, we've got to connect. Because I had a dream about her last night. And I just woke up yearning and praying for her. So same, but looks a little different, but same. How are you? Where are we? Losing my focus. For as God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection, in all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness and comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Kind of sounds like the loaves and fish at the end there, the loaves and fish being to give glory to God, and all of that is so that glory can be given to God. There's a thanks that leads to glory, and it's beautiful. So we have some things that I want to pull out of this passage, and we just have one slide for that today. One of them, and we don't have time because we're still doing one more thing. Say one more thing. We're doing one more thing. Thanksgiving produces prayer. Can you see that? I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always and in every prayer. When we're thankful for the relationships, whether we totally love them or we don't, because perhaps the totally not loving somebody could represent the denarii, perhaps. Or not the denarii, but the, pardon me, the loaves and the fish. But when we're not, when it's, it's a little bit difficult, but we're thankful something happens in that relationship, so we pray for them. Also, I've noticed in this passage that Paul had a great perspective, didn't he? He had such a heavenly perspective of relationship. Even the tone, you could hear the tone of love that he had. There was partnership. Partnership is not a one-sided relationship. I believe that there's some one-sided relationships in our lives that need to go so that two-sided relationships can come in. Come on now, church. Do you know what I mean by that? You know what I mean. 
two-sided relationships where we are linking. Come here, Sydney. Come here, Kayla. Partnership. Church, partnership. I'm with you. I am for you. I am praying for you. I am thankful. There's a connection here. That's what partnership is. We are all in this together. Thank you, guys. You're beautiful. Partakers of grace. Again, there's that par. Par means equal. Partakers of the grace of God. There's power. We've seen that there's power where there's thanksgiving. There's a purity when we give thanks. We don't have false motives for people. Have you ever been around someone and their motives didn't seem pure? Are you here? Have you ever been around people and you could just feel something was off and their motives didn't seem pure? And then sometimes you could have gone through a hard time in life and you just feel like everyone has bad motives because you're skewed, jaded. It could be an either or. But I'm telling you, Thanksgiving will produce a clear lens so that you can be discerning in every situation. But there's a purity. A pure lens comes into our life where rejection will be broken off, can be broken off in your life through thanksgiving. I believe that. And praise. The end here. So that. Say so that. God wants to do this so that. God wants to do this in your life. So that. This will be multiplied, and much glory will be given to him. I've had a few people that I've been asked to come to this lovely table. I should have had Kayla. Kayla Singh do the table. She, I saw her Insta story last night. It was so beautiful. Someone should hire that girl to do their decorating. So all of you who are supposed to be at this table, let's go. Let's go. And Cam and Justin, if you could just move the table a little closer. We are going to do something before we leave today. Pastor Jake asked you guys who practices Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving. Do you guys do you go around the table and say things that you're thankful for? I used to cringe when my mom would do this. And I'd be like, I'd be like, why are we doing this? Like we had a pastor that we worked with in Calgary, and he would he'd be like, on your birthday, he'd be like, let's play the animal game. And I was like, and we'd have to each go around to each staff and say what animal they were and why. So this pastor, I'm just going to say, it's Lenz Oderman, said to me, he said, Jen, do you know him? You're the Canadian goose. Seriously? I'm the and I had just been bit by a Canadian goose a week earlier in Calgary. And then he went on and on and on about this Canadian goose, and only he could make a, a Canadian goose glorious and prophetic, because that's who he is and that's what he does. Um, but I'm telling you, going around that circle, though, when you begin to see people, you begin to call things out of people, the atmosphere changes. The atmosphere changes. And I want to encourage you. We're going to practice this in our home tonight. And anybody that knows that they're coming over tonight are going to be like, oh, yay. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> because the atmosphere changes in the presence of thanksgiving. There's a part, there's a, we begin to desire to pray for one another more. We get a holier perspective for one another. There's a partnership. We begin to partake in the grace of God through thanks. There's a power that can be produced in, in being thankful for one another, a purity and praise to God. I love tables. I love what they represent. I love having people over as we gather around 
the table, it is an anointed place. So I have asked all these wonderful, fine-looking people. Are you okay? Yeah, they're ready. I told them to sit by whoever they, they wanted to, and some were okay with this, and some of them weren't, but they're good sports. And, um, but we're going to pretend it's Thanksgiving. And we're going to eat our, off our lovely plates and our cups with awesome stuff in it. But we're going to begin to give thanks at this table. If you guys could just turn a little bit more to the congregation. You and Sloan, just so they can, yeah, so they can see you. But we're going to give thanks for one another at this table and show, and show you and show one another, really, the power of giving thanks. This has not been produced. No one has a planned answer. We have not all, you know, gotten together and said, what are you going to say? I don't know what we're going to say. This is all real, and this is all for the glory of God. I'm so thankful for you. Um, God has brought you into my life just through, uh, it was only orchestrated by him. We have a mutual friend, and there's a story behind that, but um, you are such a safe place, and that's such a gift. And you are one of those people, like, even if I mess up, I can call you and be like, hey, and you'll just be like, hey, we'll repent, and, you know, and just there's no judgment with you. And, yeah, like, that's such a gift. Um, and I'm, I'm just really thankful for you and for our friendship. Hi. Natalie. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. I've been sick. Natalie, I am, again, a thread of Jesus through this. It was orchestrated. Our friendship was orchestrated through him. And you were brought to my life for a reason. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your heart of grace. I'm grateful for your light. And I'm grateful for your friendship. Justin. <laughs> um, I am very grateful for the fact that you've been a brother in Christ to my husband and a voice of reason during the crazy first year of marriage. <laughs> um, and you've been a loyal, loyal friend to him. And anyone that is a loyal friend to him and speaks about, um, you know, speaks in that rational voice um, is someone that I really appreciate and admire. And um, yeah, just grateful that you're there for him. Hey, buddy. I yearn for you. I pray for you. You help give me perspective. The partnership we have is amazing. We're both partakers of grace together. There is power in our relationship. Pure motives. It's beautiful, brother. And we got to praise God together. And I'm thankful for the person you are, the person you're becoming, the leader you are in your home, the leader you are in this relationship, in this church. And, um, yeah, you inspired me to be a better person every day. So thank you so much, Kim. I love you, bro. Oh, it's hard to follow. Yeah, I know, right? Now we've got to do this for real tonight, too. So this is, I put a lot of thought into this to make sure that it's true to my heart. No, I didn't plan to sit beside you. Um... I am thankful 
for my ants. You have a fire about you. You have a, you have a gift of prophecy that is spoken and showed me that, you know what, aside from everything else that I see, there's something there that's inside of you that doesn't stop pursuing Christ. It doesn't stop no matter what, and it keeps speaking, and it won't stop, and it drives everybody nuts. I do it too, and I'm hoping that it grows. And I hope that it grows in everybody in this room. But you have that, and I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad that you've brought a lot of knowledge. And before, I would reject it from you. But now, now I listen. And I'm thankful for my wife. And I'm thankful that she has the patience to endure my crazy. I thank you that God has blessed her with the grace to sit in patience, to care for me when I can't care for myself, to be there to listen when I feel like no one else is listening, and to forgive and have just got mercy upon mercy upon mercy that I swear is not from her own strength. I love, I thank, thank God that she can carry a child and she's going to have my baby. I'm I'm beyond thankful, and it's daily, and it's every day, and it unlocks power. And every time I thank God for my wife, my whole perception of what's going on in the storm is done, and I will not be shaken. Thank you, God. See? Can you see? I get to speak to you. I love you. Like, I totally love you. You know, from the first moment we met, and I think we were sitting in the staff room, the staff table, and we just began to chat. You were talking to me about life, and you said, hey, can we just get together? And I saw, I saw something in you from the get-go. It's like all this other stuff was going on, but there was such a passion and a yearning in your heart for Jesus Christ. And I, and I love that. I love that. I, I, love that. I love your love for Jesus Christ because it's so pure. And it's so real. You're a good mom. You're a great mom. You are a supernaturally great mom who has been called and anointed for this hour to lead your home. And though at times lonely, friend, you are never alone. And there shall be miracles. In Jesus' name. Church, we all said, amen. amen. Do you see that? Just stay here for a sec. Do you see the power of Thanksgiving? Just as we can go around a table and these simple things. There's miracles taking place in relationship. I love, like I said, I love talking to Nicole and her introducing me to her dad. I didn't even need the introduction. If you just watch them, you're like, oh, yeah, they're totally related. It's beautiful. There's healing taking place, and it's beautiful. There's wholeness taking place, and it's beautiful. And as we continually give thanks to God, church, I'm declaring with you, there's going to be miracles. And we all said, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.